potato flew around my mouth. Look at my chocolate! Don't let us! Don't let us! I knew that. Country boy, I love you! Hi, thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. Welcome to Democracy Unmuted. Today's episode is the memification of politics. I'm your host, Max Rosenzweig, here with my co-host, Alex Schoflick. Hi. And Claire Mays. Hello. We're going to take you on a journey about the weird world of memes and politics with a little help from a former state senator to figure out if memes are an effective vehicle for connecting with the younger electorate. But first, we gotta understand what memes are. Now, Max, I think we all know that most people are probably aware of the cultural emergence that is memes. Now, the classic still images with bold characters across the top and bottom of the picture conveying a sentiment like, you know, success kid, where each new version would be used to designate either success or frustration, according to knowyourmeme.com. These dull, like, now cringeworthy depictions were the real homies who sparked a cultural reset and made shockwaves for the future of online communication. Yet, memes today exist in... I mean, a hundred different formats, and not just a lane screen grab with boring text. For each modern internet meme, there's most likely a punchline-esque joke format. No matter if the meme is a video, a bunch of text, a photo, the meme will follow a format that diverges from its original joke. Moreover, the term meme surprisingly originates from British ethologist and evolutionary biologist Richard Hawking, originally aiming to aid his readers in contextualizing and comprehending Darwinian evolution theory, Hawkins found himself coining a brand new revolutionary term, a meme, in his 1976 book, The Selfish Gene. It's that old, huh? <laughs> Likewise, in his book, Hawkins utilized the concept of the gene pool and replication to break down this unheard of cultural phenomenon. Described as an information packet with attitude that propagates leaping from brain to brain, memes virtually can take on any concept that gets altered and passed on to other individuals in order to carry a theme or phenomenon. And according to that core concept of memes, many iconic ideas throughout history are considered memes, such as survival of the fittest, mutating to the survival of the sickest, twittest, or our favorite, survival of the littest. Some anthropologists even claim that the idea of God is a meme because of the vast amount of religions and spiritual beliefs that have changed and spread over time. Languages, too, have been flagged as memes due to the myriad of speech across this planet all being used to simply communicate. But so what? How did we get here? How did we go from a 70s evolutionary theory to real women vote for Trump? Good question. Let's face it, memes are everywhere you look, but the most current and relevant uses are on the internet. Nowadays, users all over the world have been forging and constructing memes of their own, often ones that pertain to our current painful pandemic crisis, as well as America's unstable political landscape. Users are able to take control of this, sometimes multimedia, form of expression, and truly explain how they are feeling with the collective fervor. Similarly, 
I think as we've seen with recent memes that have blown up about the 2020 presidential election and the never-ending counting of mail-in ballots, you can look to like the simplistic 2008 meme, Old Economy Steve, which showed a 70s yearbook photo of a white boy, along with statements like, graduates from college, gets hired, or at my first job I only made 15000 a year in 1979, that was the equivalent of like 50000 a year. This kind of ultimately highlights the sentiment of like frustration that millennials have towards baby boomers and the intergenerational conflict that occurred following that 2008 recession. And we see that manifesting in memes. Memes are just a spunky popularized form of expression that even politicians use. They're ironically modern relics. To this day, memes continue to be perfectly wrapped up time capsules that have helped and will help historians and curious folk like you get a good picture of what was happening then. Now to discuss how he uses memes in politics, welcome our guest Matt Little at Little Sender on TikTok. With his 170,000 followers, he has learned the ins and outs of engaging people in politics through a meme medium. So my name is Matt Little. Um, I'm the former mayor of Lakeville, current uh, state senator of District 58 in Minnesota. I'm an outgoing senator at this point. We didn't get it done in re-election, but uh, hey, we'll be back. I'm also a lawyer. Next, we asked him about his TikTok fame. Let's let's talk TikTok. I mean, a lot of people know me as Little Senator. Um, it's kind of funny, like <clears throat> our branding on Little Senator was by, uh, what's the right word? Uh, by circumstances, I guess it was born out of circumstances because um, all eggs or like um, the at symbol Matt Little um, and, and at Senator Little was already taken by this pretty dormant, um, no longer elected person in like, I think it was Alabama. This guy had taken all the, the at Senator Little branding. Um, and so just by um, circumstances, I went with Little Senator and I was like, all right, well, this is, this is funny and it'll, it'll get the point across. And uh, the branding has been so effective that on the Senate floor, people will sometimes accidentally re- like start referring sure, to yeah. like at or Little Senator instead of Senator Little. Um, and they have to stop themselves and correct themselves. So the branding has been good and it's, uh, you know, it fits, it fits our like punchy, uh, somewhat quirky brand. That's awesome. Jumping off that, we were curious how Senator Little got his start on social media. Um, the TikTok account specifically? Yeah. I mean, I, we were looking at it, it seems like that's your biggest following. I know you have like 15,000 on Twitter as well. Yeah, uh, I think in Minnesota for the longest time I was known for my Twitter. Um, even though I don't have a huge following, its reach is pretty good regionally. Um, you know, it's harder and harder to get people to click the follow button on you know Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. and even Instagram in some ways. Um, but the support is what I call stickier, right? Like once someone follows you on those three more traditional platforms, now they'll stay there. TikTok, man. Um, TikTok, they'll follow you and unfollow you and follow you and unfollow you. It's yeah. it's, um, it's a less it's less static. Um, oh, really? But yeah, TikTok's definitely our biggest one. It's now what we're known for. Um, and I, I joined in like February of this year. And um, oh wow, that's like an explosion. That's very big. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Uh, so I joined in February. What makes it even weirder is I didn't even start using it. I I I just joined. Um, and then I don't think I made a video for a month. I didn't even like open the app for a month, to be honest with you, because I didn't know what it was. And I, at the time, I just didn't really care. And yeah. um, we had every other things going on. And so I just, I let it be. And then um, 
you know, I think it was like maybe late February, early March, we started making videos um, more seriously and kind of figured out what it was. And then we had a big hit. And um, yeah, my goal was um, by the end of May to have 2000 followers. And here we are in November with like ridiculous. That's awesome. Score. Shifting gears a little bit, we asked Senator Little what demographic his team was shooting to reach with his TikToks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's definitely under 25 we've gathered, um, but we've had to, you know, read outside studies to gather that because, um, you know, the TikTok analytics only show you a few things. They mm -hmm. show you your top three countries. They show you your um, the, the split between self-reported male and female. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it shows you some analytics on the videos and views and what, what time you're followers are most active. Um, but other than that, we don't really know. Um, we have a lot of anecdotal evidence that it's young people. Uh, and, you know, the, the metadata says that too. And then, um, you know, some of it's local, but a lot of it's national. And I actually have, I have followings in the UK. And I also have like, a, like a South American uh, following as well. It's yeah, it's like all over the world a little bit. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. Do you think that I'll call them memes, um, but you know, TikToks or tweets or, or whatever, mm -hmm. do you think that's like an effective way to talk about politics or do you think it's a little like cute and kind of short of like actually hitting home at some important issues? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's really the same question that people asked me about Twitter probably five, six years ago, because we use Twitter memes to talk about policy for a long time. And now we've gotten a little more serious on Twitter. Um, but um, you're just trying to engage people that aren't normally engaged in political dialogue in a way that they are consuming media, right? There's a reason mm -hmm. that um, a dude from Denver who goes to school in Michigan is asking me questions yeah. about um, politics related to social media. Um, because it is effective, right? And um, and so uh, the problem is, right, like you have to have some of the confidence in yourself. You also have to have some people in, in your life or on your team that will check you and make sure you're not doing anything, um, you know, off. Um, yeah. And, and I, I've been pretty good at, at that, but there's probably going to be a point in my political career where I'm going to need help with that. Um, and so uh, it's, it's riskier, you know, um, to be cute or quirky or a little bit weird or non-traditional. It's riskier, but it's it's really important that, you know, when you're doing the job at the Senate or whatever position you're in, that you're also, uh, you know, a serious policymaker, right? Like, I wouldn't be able to do this if I, if I was just an empty suit um, mm -hmm. at the Capitol. Um, because then it would just confirm that I'm an empty suit. But the, the fact is that I'm, I'm not, I get a lot, I've, I've gotten a lot done. And, um, and, uh, and so it's, it's kind of a good balance that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, whistle while you work kind of motto type of thing. Yeah. I like that. We brought up a recent example of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her use of Twitch, a video game streaming site. She's gotten some pushback for her streams in the past. Do your job. Why aren't you working right now? Etc. We were curious to hear Senator Little's take on this, and if he'd received any of those same criticisms himself. Oh, definitely. I'm, you know, I'm a little bitter about that because our team had had uh, identified Twitch as our next mm -hmm. thing we were going to do, and uh, <laughs> she took it right at the end of the election. We were going to save it for next time. 
Um, but it seems like you're already like ahead of it. Like you guys really put some serious thought into like how you're going to be reaching people. Yeah. So we, yeah, that was our next iteration of, uh, you know, using mass media, um, free mass media, I should say to reach people. Um, and so we've, we've actually had that idea in the hopper for over a year because I do like to game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I try to keep up with, um, some of them, but like, um, you know, we are going to try that, but we are going to save it for next time because we, we like to space ideas out and we still are running TikTok. But, sure. um, I would say, yeah, that's definitely a criticism. If you look in the comments, people were like, you know, you lost your election because you made too many TikToks and didn't campaign like, you get that all the time, but you know, those are people that, uh, don't just don't get it. <laughs> you're very, you're very, you're very gracious. Like we were reading comment sections of people saying that. And I always felt like your answers were very like polite, but to the point that like it worked, like people know about you that wouldn't have, if it weren't for your TikToks. Yeah. And if, um, again, right. It's that whole juxtaposition, right? Like I couldn't do this type of thing if I wasn't a good legislator. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it wouldn't work. It would hurt me. But the fact is like, I, I do TikTok, but I also work harder than anybody else in the state. Anybody. Well, else. I looked at your legislation record and I was reading through it and it made me dizzy. Like I was scrolling down all the yeah. bills that you were not even just co-authored that you were the main author for. And I was like, wow, this is dizzying. Yeah. We go to town and, yeah. uh, and you know, we get a lot of stuff through, even though I was the number one target and they wouldn't give me hearings and all sorts of stuff, but mm. all sorts of games, we still got stuff done. Um, and so I think, you know, that's, that's an important part that I try and tell people and pretty much anybody in the, in the political circles in Minnesota will tell you, like, you can't outwork me. Um, I did knock more doors than anybody else, any other candidate in the entire state of Minnesota. And that's just a fact. And everybody here knows that. And so um, when I get those critiques, I just try and like, let people know. That's you awesome. Can't outwork me. Wrapping up, we asked Senator Little, what if we only consumed political news through memes and social media? No CNN, no Fox News, only social media. What would happen? Is that a good idea? Some of them are a good foot in the door. Maybe it's an issue that's that's not like a mainstream issue, mm-hmm. um, a little more obscure. Um, to me, I mean, you've reiterated the point. It seems very interesting to me that, that it's a very, very effective way to get a new generation of people interested in politics. Yeah. And you'll see, you can also see in some of my comments, people will like, well, I don't know where you stand and I don't know. Um, you never do issues and we've done issue videos. They just don't do very well. Interesting. Um, yeah. We've so done it's straight. more, it's more about making fun of like politics as a whole than it is about any particular issue politics. Well, and like we pepper stuff in there, right? Like, so mm-hmm. I, I, I always kind of had an equation on Twitter. I had an equation on TikTok. I have no clue what the right uh, balance is, but I, you know, I, on Twitter, I used to do so many jokes and then something serious, right? Because my whole thing is to get you bought in that one when i'm saying something serious now it really does matter yeah Um, so that's part of it but also to get you to stay for the jokes but also the real stuff and so it's an intro to um what i think matters and so even on the tiktok videos there is policy peppered in there um but people refuse to see it and then um you know a lot of the people responding to folks like that will say, well, like you can actually Google him. You can do what you've done and look at my legislation. That's really what I'm trying to do is introduce myself and my personality and my mm-hmm. style, and then um, try and tap into the stuff that actually it's, matters. It's fascinating. I, I, I learned at least when I was taking a course on like speech writing, they would tell you that, you know, people are laughing and then you hit them with the important stuff while, you know, in between the jokes, they don't even half the time realize 
what they've taken in, but they, it, it sits, it like is instilled. Yeah. Right? That's actually, that's, that's very clever that you have that strategy. I didn't even think of it that way. I know. Don't tell anybody. I won't. As we just heard, there's a lot of hard work and nuance that goes into utilizing social media and memes in politics. Memes are an effective way to make an initial impression on younger voters, drawing in Gen Zers, millennials, and people in between, and encouraging them to engage and educate themselves on political issues. Thanks for joining us today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope after listening, we've helped you come to understand that while social media can be a good tool for politicians to reach younger voters, we've come to realize engaging with them on these platforms doesn't always translate to political action. Mobilizing Gen Z voters is a tricky issue because while these memes increase our awareness, they provide us no course of action to remediate the sometimes intense emotions they leave us with. One thing that is certain, though, is that social media presence by politicians can help humanize politics and the issues that affect our world today. It's our hope that as memes evolve, the integrity of their content can improve and be used to stir broad and meaningful change outside of chat rooms and in to the real world. Thanks so much to Senator Little for talking with us for this episode of Democracy Unmuted. Senator Matt Little can be found on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at LittleSenator. This episode has been brought to you by Claire Mays, Alex Schoflick, me, Max Rosenzweig, and our lovely radio instructor professional, T. Hetzel. Thanks for choosing us. We'll see you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, it was lovely to have you this year. See you next year, or not.